Voice of the Bombers, one-on-one with Mike O'Shea. The Bombers Coaches Show, brought to you by PayWorks. By supporting local initiatives, PayWorks is making our city an even better place to live, play, and work. Work with a team that values home. PayWorks, a community player. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. You know the drill, 780-6868 for texts and phone calls for Mike O'Shea. Kind of odd to me, Saturday, there should have been a real celebratory atmosphere and mood around Bomber Camp, and there was to a degree because they won, uh, improved to 11-4, and four, clinched a playoff spot, all sorts of great accomplishments, and yet, I won't say overshadowed, but it was tempered, shall I say, by the injuries. And uh, talking with Matt Nichols and Andrew Harris by the performance of the Bomber offense, which really had a... A tough day. So, Mike O'Shea, let's start with the injuries. I know the fans are dying to know uh, what you can tell them about that. We know about Mo Leggett done for the year. How how big a blow is that? How, how do you measure that? Uh, I, I don't know that you. Uh, I don't know that you put a gauge on it. I mean, um, anytime you lose any player, it's it's a big loss. Mo's been, you know, responsible for quite a few exciting plays over his time in Winnipeg. Uh, he is a, a, a ball hawk and he does find his way into a lot of, a lot of playmaking, uh, situations. Right. So, um, but, uh, you know, I, magnitude, I, you know, what, this is what I believe. I believe that, um, this is a contact sport. All the guys know it. Um, they all know there's risk involved. Uh, that, that's not something that we beat over their heads because they, they, they live it daily at practice even, you know. Um, and I also know that uh, anybody who gets injured wants the, the, the next guy, the next starter to go in and play really well so we can keep winning. <laughs> so mm. uh, Mo's job now is to make sure the guy who's up next is, is – uh, playing very well and and that there's no drop off and that they can help us win games too so um we don't as a team you don't really have a lot of time uh to uh, feel sorry for yourself so the, qu- the the players don't want you to you know the injured guys don't want to, you to feel sorry for them either they want you to get moving and focus on what's important and that's winning the next game the next question then is who is up next there do you know yet no we don't know yet we'll We'll work through it in practice. We got a full three days and meetings and everything like that where we can um, get a good look and make the best decision. You have options, obviously. Uh, earlier in the year, Mo Leggett missed two games and Brandon Alexander played in there. Would you think about moving him from the corner into that spot? Yeah, it's obviously a, a thought. I mean, we, you know, when we have these types of meetings, it, uh, you, you, you move all the pieces around, but it's only ever on paper. So you got to get out there on the field and and <laughs> see what these guys can do. But they're like I said, they're all starters and they're all ready to go. Kevin Fogg, Robert Porter, all guys that can all guys that can jump in there. Okay, what about Chris Ian Randall Watt? can move over there? Yeah, you know, oh, there's an interesting one. Yep. Yeah. What about Ian Wild? First of all, is he any chance he'll be back this week? Uh, I, and he's healthy, so we'll we'll uh we'll see once again the usual response we'll see how that shakes down as the week goes on but you're talking about Ian Wild playing playing that strong side linebacker i i don't ever doubt what Ian Wild's capable of put it that way yeah so he's been declared healthy he's cleared to play 
uh, he, yes, he can play. Yeah. And, and so here's one of our text questions. Can Wild play Leggett's spot, or is he too slow, is the question <laughs> from the texter. Yeah, he no, he's he's certainly fast. Yeah. Um, you know, and he did play uh, down in the States. He's played safety, which is diff- a different position. It's not necessarily a cover position. Um but I also know that he's got the, he's got coverage ability. He's he's very very quick as well as being fast. But uh, that's generally not the transition to go from outside linebacker out to um, the Sam linebacker, the mm-hmm. dime for us. It's it's that's generally not an easy transition. It, it's the most positions one of the hardest ones on the field. Sure. Uh, here's from Mike. Good evening, guys. I feel for all the guys injured, but I'm sure no one feels worse than they do themselves. And his question is, will we have Wild and Dressler back next game? Yeah, all possibilities. All possibilities. We, we, you know, as you know, Bob, I'm sure the the people listening don't maybe don't know this, but I really don't declare a roster until after day three um, because you, you want to give everybody a chance to get out there and compete at practice and, and figure out what your best roster is what gives you the best chance to win this particular game. So we've got a lot of practice time, a lot of meeting time, a lot of film sessions between now and declaring our roster. Uh, here's another one. Despite the season-ending injury to Leggett and potential week-to-week absence of wide receiver Adams, do you remind your players that they can draw inspiration from the fact that this team was able to win a bunch of games last year while these two superstars were sidelined with injuries? Yeah, the players that were here certainly understand that. Um and I'm sure amongst themselves, they they chat about it. Um, we tend not to look back. Uh, we all know, and I know the players know that there's. Um, you see it. You see it all around you. You don't have to look back to 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 our season. You look at at you look at the teams in the CFL this year that were playing with uh, minus a lot of guys and and winning games. You know the the guys we have in our locker room are are starters that can help you win football games. Here's another one about uh, Leggett's injury. Is there any option for a national, meaning a Canadian player, to take his place? And Alvin mentions Derek Jones or Jesse Briggs. Um, both very talented players. Both have uh, certainly earned uh, earned their time on the field, that's for sure. They they have worked extremely hard, and they're two, they're just... Those two guys, they make it very easy to come to work every day. They're so, <laughs> they're so good at what they do. So, um, I mean, all these things are possibilities. I, I certainly think, uh, much like Ian Wild, sort of uh, Jesse Briggs would fall into that same sort of spot. You know, he, he's more of a weak side linebacker than he is a strong side linebacker in the CFL. Although I'm sure he would have played. That's where he played in the in in college. Uh, Derek Jones, um, maybe more of a corner and a free safety. You know, if his second position would be corner, um, then then maybe in the box as a as a covered linebacker. In this upcoming game in Toronto, could we see a couple of players rotating into that legged spot just so you can find out who can do what under pressure? You could see that. You'd have to buy a ticket and come. Well, I don't have to buy a ticket. I'm going to be there. <laughs> oh, but there yes, go. all things are possible. Okay, let's talk about Darvin Adams. Is he done for the year? Uh, I, I I can't say that just yet. Yeah, I want to I want to uh, talk a little more tomorrow and 
uh, talk to Darv and talk to Al and, and listen once again to the answers before we make a, uh, a statement like that. Okay. Would you say there's a chance he might play this year again? Like, have you ruled that out or not? I, I, Bob, I never rule out players. I always give them the benefit of the doubt. You know Darvin. Darvin's had uh, a few nicks and bumps and bruises along the way. And and uh, <laughs> as Al called him today, he called him Wolverine. And, you know, that's a, that's a pretty impressive statement, you know, calling a guy Wolverine. He's just heels, right? So um, I'll have a hard time. We're about, I, I, you know, he won't be available this week. That's for sure. And, and we'll, once again, tomorrow, I'll, I'll get a better handle on everything and, and figure this out. Playoff game's a long way off, you know. A long way off. Yeah. 780-6868. Back to take your phone calls and texts. The Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea on 680 CJOB. The Bombers Coaches Show, brought to you by PayWorks. By supporting local initiatives, PayWorks is making our city an even better place to live, play, and work. Work with a team that values home. PayWorks, a community player. All right, we'll get to the phone calls, and the Kubi Kid will be first up in just a minute. But first, uh, Mike in San Antonio has a, a question. High coach injuries have become more of an issue now than earlier in the season. How can you and your coaching staff help the team succeed through a period of multiple key injuries? How do you support the players, help them stay focused and confident? Those who are coming off the bench, the other starters, and the injured players themselves. Is it challenging to manage this? No, because you start you start managing this from training camp. You know, this isn't uh, injuries in football don't don't catch you off guard. Uh, you know they're going to happen. You're not sure which player it's going to be or when it's going to happen. But the fact remains there will be injuries in football. So uh, you start by managing this in training camp when you select your team and you get together your practice roster and you identify guys that can start for you. Uh, you compete through the practice weeks all up until this week, you know. So guys are ready. The way we design practice, they're taking uh, great reps in practice. It's not... Um, it's uh, they're taking um, very meaningful reps in practice uh, that allow them to uh, function in our offense and in our defense and on our special teams. Um, managing uh, injured players is is all about what you build as a team. So the the concept of team that these guys have that they enjoy every day when they come to work uh, doesn't change. They just have to. Um, Make sure they're looking out for the guys that that have been injured, and and uh, you know having the injured guys look out for the guys that are playing. Do you feel unlucky? No, no. This is a fact of contact sport. Do you say why now? You don't say that, eh? We might come to blows here, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't say that. Nobody does. Yeah. No, nobody says He's, that. You're sure nobody does. I think some do. I think I've heard some in the past say it, but you don't. Like, you don't, after Saturday's game, you don't go, oh, God, why, why does this have to happen now? I don't even think that way. Okay. I knew that. I just wanted to ask you that. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's some people around here that think the sky's falling, you know, but we... Well, you can't this afford is, to think that way, can you? Well, this is this is football. Yeah, this is, this yeah. is the way it goes. We've been through this before. Mm-hmm. So is every other team in the CFL. Yeah, 
True. Somebody's managed to win games at some point, right? You did last year. There you go. Here's one from Frank. Uh, what has to happen for the Bombers to finish in second place? I can tell you, Frank, a Winnipeg win or an Edmonton loss, and each have three games left, will clinch second place for the Bombers. I got a better question for you. What has to happen for the Bombers to finish in first place? You have to win out. There you go. And Calgary has to lose one to somebody else, including the last game of the regular season to you. Well, I didn't go that far. I'm just looking at, we have to win this game. Yeah, you you have to win out. And they, uh, Calgary hosts Saskatchewan, visits Edmonton, and hosts Winnipeg. And we got them. <laughs> All right, let's go to line one. Kubi Kid. Go ahead, Coop. Hey there. Hi there. How's it going there, you two Hall of Famers? Good, Kubi. Good, 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 good. Listen, that was a great win, Coach. Uh, the Coopster, uh, oh, man. Albeit at a huge cost, I was I was in tears after a couple losses of players like that. But uh, it's a team game. Next man up, next man up. So, Coach, I got a question. It's um, our house. Too many teams are coming in here. They're pulling crap. They're kicking. They're punching. They're doing uh, ball busters, late hits. And when we got a three-touchdown lead like that, I know you're a classy guy and you played classy, but man, in the comforts of my couch, I'm watching that stuff and I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm just infuriated because I thought BC played really cheap, and I thought that you know there's no accountability to these guys and they're playing like a bunch of thugs out there, and I just wanted to hear your opinion of it because with a three touchdown lead, I wouldn't have mind seeing a little bit of payback. <laughs> All right, Coob, let's, uh, let's let the coach answer that. Were the Lions playing like thugs? Oh, I don't know. I think um, they decided, you know, and I, I said this earlier in the week, they were going to come and play um, tough physical football. Wally would demand it, and I think they did. Uh, I, I believe, you know, the mindset would be let's, let's beat Winnipeg up, win the game, and then when we play them again, uh, for the season series in the in a couple of weeks, they'll know that we put it on them. Not only one, but physically put it on them. I think that was their mindset. Well, you know, we're we have a very physical team too. I thought we did a good job. We only took six penalties, albeit three URs, two roughing the quarter, but two of those were roughing the quarterbacks. You know, uh, but really only one penalty that was, um, you know, sort of post post play. Uh, so I thought we handled ourselves very well. Uh, the stuff along the sidelines, late hits or out-of-bound hits along the sidelines, uh, I'm okay with them when a guy's trying to make yards and there's a there's a hard tackle on the sideline when you're not sure whether the guy's inbounds or out-of-bounds. I just think, like, as long as it's consistent, I'm okay with that because, man, you you know, when you're running over to make a tackle, you're not sure where that line is exactly. And if the runner or the ball carrier is still coming hard, you're not going to lay up. So... Um, it's interesting. I thought they, I thought they came in and, and did what we thought they would do, play hard, and, and uh, but I wouldn't call it necessarily cheap. I just think they were trying to establish a little bit of dominance, try to, uh, you know, so that they could build on that for the next game they played. You know, they they were they're playing desperate football. They need to win games, right? They got some guys on that defensive side of the ball, led by Solomon Elamimian, who like to put hurt on you. Well, he he he's a violent tackler. He yeah. tackles with a a, a very uh, high top end speed, you know. And then that Mike Alway, uh, he he can hit, and 
Yeah, they get some guys that they can that play nice physical football. Richard, you're on the Coach's Show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Richard. Yeah, uh, Coach O'Shea, uh, right now uh, I, I think your uh, pass defense is is got good chemistry. I would hate to see you start moving guys around uh, in order to uh, uh, occupy, for example, putting Alexander in, in, uh, in his spot. Don't you think that maybe the chemistry is just as important and that you just put another guy in there? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there are, there are certain times where you look at, you know, three switches is a lot worse than just one. Um, That's what I mean. But I'm, I'm very confident in, in the level of communication we have with our back end right now. I th- they, they put their foot down uh, several weeks ago and decided, all right, here's how we're going to do it differently. And they, the way they talk in meetings, the way they talk on the field, their 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 level of communication that they demand and expect from each other has been ramped up. So I think the 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 next starter in is um, going to be well looked after. So we'll move around the roster uh, as we think is going to give us the best chance to win. I do appreciate the idea of of just inserting one guy into that spot rather than moving couple guys around and and we'll certainly investigate that that possibility too. That's yeah. the first possibility we'll look at. Richard, we have obviously. to leave that we have to leave that there. Sorry, we have to break right now. 7806868. We'll be back with the coaches show with Michael Shea on 680 CJOB. The Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. All right, a couple of text questions here before we get back to the phone lines. Uh Coach O'Shea, will you or have you talked to Andrew Harris about throwing a punch? That could have been a turning point if he was ejected. Yeah, we talked about it immediately, and it's all he understands. And the second part, are you concerned the Winnipeg offense has been figured out? BC stopped Harris. That seemed to be the key to stopping the entire offense. They obviously keyed on Harris. Yeah, no, I'm not concerned about somebody figuring out the offense. Our offense is so uh, multifaceted. And we do uh, a number of different things, um, and they don't know when we're calling them. So I, I don't think uh, we played particularly well, you know, but that's why you have teammates and that's why the other phases step up and we were able to win. Uh, I, I'm not concerned. I think, um, you know, our offense has been rolling along so well all season long. I mean, boy, they're they're tops in the league, really, I think, so. But you'd agree with Nichols and Harris that this was not a very good day. Too many breakdowns, yeah, missed assignments. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the best day, that's for sure. Uh, from Ian, your defense was ferocious all game. I think that's a very good sign of things to come. So let me ask you this. The last five, you give up uh, 165 yards in the last five minutes. Do you, I'm going to use the word rationalize. No, I'll take that back because I know you don't like that word. Is that more easy for you to accept when you know that you've, You've kind of got the game under wraps, and you, the last thing you want to do is give up a big play. No, I mean uh, you want to you want to crush them. You want to crush your opponent and hold them down and let them know they can't they can't score on you. You know we we got to play them again in a couple of weeks. It would have been nice to finish them off and sort of uh, not give them any hope whatsoever, right? I mean it'd be nice too to hold a team to about two hundred yards of net offense. That would have been good, um, but you also have to understand that. They're a good football team too. You look at their offensive side of the ball, boy. They've got, I mean, 
their whole team is is you know looks very good and despite you know or whatever their record says you look at their talent on offense they're a damn good football team so uh, i think there's things we could have done better we certainly you know as a the defense looked at uh looked at the last 5 minutes pretty critically and uh as to what they could have done differently um and they'll they'll fix that and you know i certainly the one thing that you can't do when you're when you're up by basically three scores is, uh, with five minutes to go, you can't give up a one play scoring drive. You've got to make them earn every uh, every yard, and uh, I don't know that we did a good enough job of that. But you have to make them earn those yards in that time, and just let the clock work against them too. Uh, here's a text question: Can Mo Leggett return next year from a torn Achilles? Oh, I think. This is this is a different day and age now. You know, I don't know that. Uh, I was speaking to a an old teammate, and um, you know, you just didn't hear of Achilles injuries like this in the past. I don't remember these guys this happening, but also the the procedures they use now. I think these guys come back and come back good like it's not a it's not a, a death sentence by any means yeah. to your football career there was a time when that injury would be kind of a death knell or people would think it was anyway 20 years ago but not anymore no not anymore you look yeah. at sprinters that's happening too yeah. and they're running in the olympics again you know it's sure this guy also wants to know how many bones did you break playing linebacker in toronto did you count your broken bones i i never have never broke a bone or never counted them one of those two <laughs> Can we get some clarification on that? <laughs> no. We can't? <laughs> All right. Lloyd, you're on the coach's show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Lloyd. Yes, I was at the game on uh, Saturday. I'm glad we won. But we've only had one offensive touchdown in the last two games put together, which is a concern. It seemed we were unwilling or incapable of throwing the ball downfield, that is, long passes. Was that because Darvin Adams was injured and we were missing Flanders and Dressler? Or was it the way their defense was playing or, or a combination of both? Oh, I think it's always a combination when you get some guys put in and, and um, working around and um, motioning into different spots. It's, uh, it does take a bit of time. I thought their defense played well. I thought they had a good plan. Um, you know, and I thought, uh, you know, yeah, I think it's always a combination of both. I don't think you can ever put it on one thing. But, you know, we we, we, we uh, probably didn't do a good enough job of executing uh, the plays that we had that, that should work, and, and uh, we just didn't execute them properly. I, I don't know that, um, you know, I don't know that BC's plan is uh, was so good that we couldn't have moved the ball and scored. I don't know that the... Uh, you know the the difference in plays are 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 um, that significant. I think our execution level was just at a subpar level, really. What concerned me is that it felt like on many plays Nichols wasn't even looking long; he was immediately looking short to Harris, particularly. And again, I felt that that was because he just didn't have confidence in the new receivers to get open downfield. That was my reading of it. I might have been wrong. Yeah, I don't know that that's accurate. You know, oh, I think okay. I think Matt's got a lot of confidence in all our guys. I mean, he throws to all these guys uh, every practice. You know, so um, 
Okay. Like well, I said, they're 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 really all starters, and they all take meaningful reps. So. Yeah. Okay, Lloyd, we'll leave that there. Thanks for the call. Thanks, John, Lloyd. you're on the Coach's Show with Mike O'Shea on 680 CJOB. Go ahead, John. Yeah. How do you make sure that uh, Andrew Harris has fresh legs for the next game and uh, for the home playoff game If uh, also? Uh, uh, and I'll hang up and uh, listen to your answer. Thank you. I thought, uh, I think Andrew looks pretty darn good. I don't I don't know that there's a question about freshness. We the way we run our practice weeks um and where our bye week fell, I think it's given our guys good opportunities to to stay fresh. We we are very consistent with how we prepare uh with the weekly schedule included um in that so that the guys know have a very good routine on how they take care of their bodies. Um you know, we're not on the field uh, a really long time. Um, we do demand that they go hard when they're on the field, but all the reps are carefully, you know, um, carefully counted. And, and uh, we certainly, I don't think we put them in a position where um, that's going to be an issue. We also, uh, you know, our trainer, Al, and strength and conditioning uh, with Braden, those guys pay a lot of attention to the guys and, and are constantly monitoring them, talking to them, asking them how they feel. And we communicate about that on a regular basis to see if we need to pull back. But our, our, our these guys are pros. They know how to take care of their body. They know what they need and don't need. I think he's referencing the the pounding that Harris took on, on Saturday. He delivers the blows. He's not taking shots. He's he's not a, you know, this guy goes forward uh, on contact. I've noticed that. So... You know, he's the one dishing it out. He's not uh, He's not taking it, really. There's still a lot of contact there, though. You're not worried he, about that. He, he drops his shoulder on guys, and, and they don't. I don't know that they're getting good, square, clean shots on him. He's putting it on them. Yeah. 780-6868. Back to take more of your calls. The Coach Show with Michael Shea. The Bombers Coaches Show, brought to you by PayWorks. By supporting local initiatives, PayWorks is making our city an even better place to live, play, and work. Work with a team that values home. PayWorks, a community player. Welcome back to the final segment. We'll get back to the phone calls in just a minute. A text question. Now, one more thing, guys. Can either of you recall having this much stability at offensive line? I've sure enjoyed their tenacity, protecting Nichols, and blocking for Harris. These guys... Pardon me, never get enough credit when they're playing well. I don't remember the last time the Bombers had the same people on the offensive line, the same 5-4, as long as they have this group. Uh, certainly the longest in your tenure here, Mike. We got a good group. They prefer to remain anonymous, so we won't talk about them anymore. <laughs> Wait a minute. They're playing well. Yes, I know it's your show. Sorry. Bob. No, it's not my show. It's your show. <laughs> they're, but... play, they're playing very well. Yeah. Anyway, he's talking about consistency on the O-line. I, they, I brought they, that up they with... They consistently play well. Yeah, and they're the same five. Having they the same five is pretty important. Well. All right, we'll move right along here. Now, Miguel, you're on the coach's show with Mike. Anything else you don't want to talk about, by the way? <laughs> well, Mike? as as we as we continue on in the weeks, there'll be less and less I can talk about. Yeah, I'm sure. Miguel, go ahead. You're on the coach's show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead. Hey there, fellas. I'm sure that there's already been lots of talk i i missed the first part of the show about how the game ended and the yielding of points so i'll ask less specifically about that more generally how much coach can 
you and your uh, your coordinators and such, how much can you be nimble during a game and make adjustments such as to avoid that exact or at least seemingly exact same Burnham touchdown at the end? How nimble can the coaches and coordinators be from drive to drive versus making adjustments, say, at halftime? And then, of course, when there's the most time available, that's doing the prep leading up to a game. Can you Can you describe to us how nimble you folks can be in those different situations? Yeah, I mean the 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 coordinators are on all three in all three phases are equipped with uh, you know a bunch of different calls and and uh, concepts that we've practiced that allow you to uh, attack what the opposition is is doing. Um, you know, I don't like that we gave up. Uh, those points at the end, points at the end, uh, nobody on the defense does. Um, you know, I think it really has less to do with uh, with play calling and more to do with just the idea of all right, we gotta we gotta just defeat some blocks and and play a little tougher at that point. Um, it's also the you know it's the coordinator's job at that point to not give up and I spoke on this earlier not give up a single play touchdown because they're down three scores so yeah. you really just can't give up a, an, an easy explosion play leading in points right you've got to take away that so you know Burnham scores twice I think it was Burnham twice but basically they score on the same play twice uh, you know this little swing pass that covers a lot of yards and guys are blocked and we're often coverage and so have to cover a bunch of ground to go make the play and there's just a couple blocks that get made and you know I would have liked to seen everybody play a little tougher at the point of attack and and defeat the blocks and come off and smack them but uh you know that's that's those are the corrections that need to be made is is at that point the ball's already in the in the guy's hands go go get them right okay Miguel Okay, thanks. And just one quick note. I couldn't squeeze it in last time after the Banjo Bowl. I think it was a call out to, I think it was Jackson Jeffcoat was lying on his belly being blocked and he managed to catch Kevin Glenn's toe with his one free arm and trip him up. I'm not sure if he got credit for the sack, but I watched that game the following day and picked up on that and just thought it was a hell of a play. So a special uh, acknowledgement for that. If I know that's obscure, you you may not remember that play exactly, but my buddy and I thought it was quite remarkable for him to pull that off. Considering his posture on the field, he was he was spread right out by whoever was blocking him. Yeah, Jackson's done done very well for us. He's uh, boy, he's a pro. He works very hard after um, you know through practice, obviously, and in the meeting rooms. But after practice, he's always working to perfect his craft. It's uh, and he's taking guys with him uh, up the up the rungs, right? So that's uh, it's neat to see. He's really done well for us. Thanks for the call, Miguel. We appreciate it. Dave, you're on the Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Dave. Oh, hi. Um, I, I'm not sure about the, if you said, uh, is Flanders going to be playing in the next game or not? Um, not going to rule him out just yet. That's for sure. He's. Uh, I know he's, he's getting better every day and um, yeah. I know he's a tough kid and he'll, he'll, he'll certainly play as soon as he possibly can. Because the way the offense, like right now, it's we we need a, like a really good running attack to help our you know with the, with the passing game is sort of going down with the receivers and whatnot. But yeah, I'd like to even see like uh, that other Canadian uh, guy uh, Normand. If you get him the ball, maybe five or ten touches, 
take some pressure off Andrew Harris so they don't always the defense doesn't key on him all the time and whatnot. Yeah, and, I think. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Gonna say uh, on the defense, can you move? Um, can you play maybe Santos Knox say, in Leggett spot? Move Kyle Knox into the middle and then have either Hurl or whoever else play on the other side of the line or the through the linebacker spot. Uh, that's. Uh, that's not the way we would do it. That's not our. That's not our first consideration, honestly. Uh, I think Santos is doing a good job playing the spot he's in, and um, he is more of a true linebacker than some of the other guys we have on our roster that would be the hybrid linebacker slash cover DB uh, types. Um, with regards to Chris Normand, he's a yeah, he's a good player. He's working hard for us on special teams, and when he gets a chance with the ball in his hands, he certainly. Uh, works hard for it. He blocks uh, very well when he's in there blocking. Um, to try and get him five to ten touches, I think is oof, that's you know I'd like to give Andrew I'd, Harris five or ten more touches. Yeah. Hey, well, all right, all yeah, right Dave. Oh, go ahead. Good, yeah, you got one more. Oh, no, that's it. Okay. Have good good luck in uh, next game. Thanks, Thanks Dave. Yep. Okay, Dave. Thanks. Let's go to Brian. Brian, you're on the coach's show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead. Hi, guys. Mike, last year around this time, I guess your main concern was trying to get a home playoff spot. And I heard you talking about um, that you wanted to be in first place. And I, realistically, I think you'll be playing the home game on the 12th, November 12th. What do you what do you think the chances are of you getting the first place in Calgary losing those some of those games? Uh, I honestly, you know, besides joking around with Bob here, I don't think that way. I think we've got to go into Toronto and handle our business and. I just know that there's still a possibility, right? So uh, we're gonna we're gonna work to win our games, and and whatever else happens, happens. But our our f- point of focus, one hundred percent, is on uh, the Toronto Argonauts now, and and putting together a plan and a roster that's going to allow us to go into Toronto and win that game. And joking around, I would like to see Calgary win every game, the next three games, and choking the. Western final, like that would be um, that would be pretty um, epic if I see that. But um, all right, Brian. I know you don't think think that way, but if you did, um, if you were in second place, who do you think would be the third place team? No, I don't know. Oh. I don't even know what their records are really right now, and and I'm not, you know, I don't know that we that we need Calgary to choke. We just need to focus on what oh, we're know, doing yeah. right now and and get to a position where we can play in a game, another game, right? Brian, we'll leave it there. Appreciate the call. Uh, we only got about a minute left. I want to get your response to this. The fact that you your players are upset with the, the play of the offense, you, you've said yourself you're disappointed, disappointed in the points you gave up at the end, and still won the game. Does it say that the, the bar is high here now in terms of overall play, and, and that's a good thing, like a winning culture? Yeah, we uh, there was a lot of good things to celebrate. You know, I think uh, Kevin Fogg getting in the end zone on the punt return touchdown, uh, T.J. Heath with the interception return touchdown, the play of our defense. Uh, you know, they were stifling for the majority of the game. I thought they did a great job. Um, there were some bright spots uh, in all three phases. Um, Medlock you know, was great. Medlock was he had an unbelievable game, a great game as a punter too. He punted very well. Our cover teams played well. Uh, some some awesome things to be excited about. I think right now the level of accountability to from one teammate to the next is at an all-time high.
We'll come back next Monday. The Bombers in Toronto, Saturday. We're on the air at 1 with our pregame show, play-by-play at 3. And then Mike and I are back next Monday with another edition of the Coaches Show on CJOB. The Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB.